I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh. I am back once again to bring you all of the information you need to set your lineup this weekend. I've got the practice reports you need, the injury designations you seek, and as always, I am joined by the important nonsense, start, sit, sorcerer, it's that FF nerd, it's Jason Draven. How's it going, my friend, and how are you doing heading into week eight? Well, it's definitely a scary weekend. I really appreciate your sorcerer there. It thought was pretty funny, but with it being Halloween, man, these games are looking terrifying i don't like the weather i don't like the injuries it's going to be a mess of a weekend and it makes me very sad so i just want to get into this and let everybody know what is going on this week in football it is officially spooky season and we've got some spooky weather even though it is going to be november when these games are played but it's great to be back on the show with you anyways, even if we've got some messes coming this weekend. I feel like I always learn something thanks to you. And I also really feel like I'm building up a lot of patience by being forced to listen to you rant, not make a lot of sense. Win-win, really, but unfortunately, not a win-win on Thursday night football. Yeah, Falcons I mean, beat the paint. That is a complete understatement. That game was atrocious, and I understand. I can't stop talking, but it's between me and you, and... You know, we both kind of just run our mouths, so it's hard not to. Uh, yeah, the Falcons beat the Panthers 25-17 to and really was quite a disappointing game. Looked like it was going to be a fun one at the start. Panthers started off hot, looked like it was going to be a shootout, and then Teddy Bridgewater took a cheap shot to the neck, suffered a neck injury, and goes off. And after that, it kind of fizzled out. Yeah, it was quite the stinker of a game. I mean, like you said, it was impressive, but I would... I would really compare it to pumpkin carving. I mean, you're really excited at the beginning. You get into it. You're pulling out the guts. And then all of a sudden, it's like, why am I not finished yet? And why doesn't this look like I wanted it to? And Matt Ryan was his usual efficient self, completed 70% of his 30 attempts, 281 yards. And as it turns out, Matt Ryan can scoot. Popped off for an eight-yard touchdown run. End of the day with 27 rushing yards on four attempts. Also had an interception ended up being a classic Julio Jones game and like the most classic of classic Julio Jones dominant games. Seven receptions, 137 yards, zero touchdowns. Oh, Julio, you never change. On the opposite side of him, though, Calvin Ridley suffered a foot injury, took him out of the game after three receptions for 42 yards. X-rays came back negative, and after the MRI, he's now day-to-day with a mid-foot sprain, and the hope is he'll be okay after the 10 days off thanks to playing the Thursday game. Hayden Hurst chipped in for five for 54 on seven targets. Seems like he might be locked in to 50, 60 yards a week now. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Hurst is solid. And I wish we could say the same thing about Todd Gurley because he stunk. 18 carries, 46 yards, 2.6 yards a pop. Thankfully, because of the rushing touchdown, his day was saved. And that's just Gurley now. Zero targets on the day. He is the most touchdown-dependent running back in the league. Brian Hill, on the other hand, 55 yards, 11 carries, 5 yards a carry, 2 receptions for 9 yards. So it's really time to put Todd Gurley out to pasture, make him just a goal line back, and give Hill the load. 
Yeah, and this whole game was just frustrating. I mean, I had the over for Monkey Knife Fight going crazy here. I had over for Jones, over for Matt Ryan, over for Teddy Bridgewater, and it over for Ridley. I was so frustrated because Ridley went out, and then Teddy B couldn't seal it for me. It was super frustrating. Hurst does look pretty solid. He's going to be a weekly starter. But like you said, I am trying to ship out Gurley. He is so touchdown dependent. And I mean, he has like eight touchdowns this year already. Eight games. It's crazy. I do not understand why. If you can't try and ship him off for someone like Swift or another player who people are really down on. I mean, like maybe even getting Zeke here. We could probably add another piece with Zeke and get Gurley off your lineup. And I I just, ugh, he's so scary. Perfect for Halloween. <laughs> Going with that spooky theme, indeed. Todd Gurley is spooky. Ted, Teddy Bridgewater, though, so he ended up with the kind of mad day thanks to the aforementioned neck injury. And he had to take some time off getting checked for a concussion. In his stead, PJ Walker, the XFL superstar, went one for four, three yards. And not that great, but still great to see the XFL legend. Bridgewater comes back, finishes the day with 176 yards passing, a 56.2% completion rate, and a touchdown pass to Curtis Samuel on a flea flicker. He also had 30 yards on five runs. But once again, Curtis Samuel has the rushing touchdown. Curtis Samuel, truthers rejoice. Time to celebrate. End of the day with 54 yards on seven touches with those two touchdowns. But because of this baller day from Curtis Samuel, Everyone else on the Panthers struggled. Bobby Anderson, 5 of 8 for 48 scoreless yards. Mike Davis, 1 reception, 11 yards, 66 rushing yards, 13 carries. 77 total, not what you like to see from him after he started so hot. DJ Moore didn't have a reception until late in the fourth quarter. And I know his GMs are furious, but he showed exactly why he needs to get the ball more. 55 yards on just two receptions both of which came in the last two drives. So we've now seen DJ Moore with a 20-plus yard reception in his last seven games. The man is a playmaker, and the Panthers need him to get the ball, or need to get him the ball more. The Panthers need to let their playmaker make plays. And I mean, we saw PJ Walker. I thought he came out hot and just missed it on a couple throws. It hit some of those players in the hands, and that was super frustrating. But fun to see him out there for an unfortunate situation, but the whole Curtis Samuel usage is completely weird. I don't understand what they're trying to do with him. I get it. He doesn't get a whole lot of touches. But, man, they just use him in so many different ways. And then, unfortunately, this is going to be probably the last time you really see Mike Davis in this big of a role. So, have to pour one out for him. And I really just I don't understand why they hate DJ Moore so much. I mean, he is so pumped. He got the first target of the game, and then... Did not see another target for another 50-plus minutes. I don't understand what they're doing. And I, like you said, he's just so explosive and such a playmaker. Why don't you get him the ball more? I, I don't understand it. Oh, and I see people complaining like, oh, he's only had production lately because he has those long touchdown runs. It's like, okay, do you realize that he has those long plays because he's talented? Realize that bad players don't typically do that over and over and over again, right? Oh, no, you didn't realize that? Okay, well. Glad we settled that. Anyways, both defenses had an interception. Falcons had three sacks. Panthers had two, but I really can't imagine anyone was playing either of them. These defenses are pretty terrible. So, Jason, what defenses are you rolling out for the weekend? Yeah, I mean, basic Titans against the Bengals. Titans have really good defense this year. They've been so solid. 
And I'm just nervous that, you know, Burrow's going to have to throw. He will probably turn it over because he's throwing too much. And the team's going to get after the quarterback. I mean, he's, this team will not kill your weak defense. So definitely somebody there. And then surprisingly, the Dolphins looked really good on defense. They're a little more risky, I understand. But it's also the Rams who you never know how that team's going to play. And the Dolphins, with wanting to probably lean on the defense and I would be surprised if the run game with two coming in. I just see this game being very ugly. And surprisingly, Miami has three 10-point games, like over 10-point games. That just blows me off. And it's like they're coming off of a bye, so I think they're ready for this and could easily surprise everybody this week. The Dolphins' defense is really underrated at this point. They have three talented corners, even if the rookie Noah Igbenogamy is a little bit roastable at this point. Still has made a couple plays, so really like both of these picks. There you have it. If you're struggling for defense this week, you've got Jason's off-the-radar picks to help you through in case you didn't pick up defense earlier in the week. And with that, we're going to kick it to our sponsors and our boss at Nonsense underscore Steve with a word from our sponsors. And we're back, and the Ravens have signed left tackle Ronnie Stanley to a five-year, $98.75 million contract, according to Adam Schefter. So the Ravens had a future Hall of Fame as the keystone in their line since their inception. They selected UCLA left tackle Jonathan Ogden in 1996. Ogden was enshrined in the Hall of Fame in 2013 and was replaced by future Hall of Fame right guard out of Iowa, Marshall Yonda. So Yonda retired after the 2019 season. He'll be eligible for the Hall of Fame in 2025, and Ronnie Stanley is next in that line. Very exciting news for the Baltimore Ravens as they continue to build around Lamar Jackson. Moving on to some more unfortunate news, Chargers right guard Ryan Groy and right tackle Trey Pickens were placed on the reserve slash COVID list, as were Broncos right guard Grant Glasgow, Vikings linebacker Todd Davis, and Texans left guard Max Sharping, also all placed on the reserve slash COVID list. Texans missed some practice because of it. None of these games are in jeopardy of being moved, however. Giants left guard Will Hernandez was also placed on the reserve slash COVID-19 list, and the majority of the Giants offensive line took a day off practice because of it. All but Hernandez are back. Mispractice, though, is a concern because this line is really, really bad. Cannot afford to miss any of those practice reps. Most importantly, our thoughts are with all those players who are out with COVID-19. We hope they all make a speedy and full recovery. On the trade rumor side of things, though, Stefan Gilmore tweaks his knee in practice on Thursday. Has an MRI, no structural damage, not ruled out. May miss the weekend, though. Also possible with the poor weather that we're coming up on this weekend. Trade deadline on Thursday, November 5th. Less than a week away at this point. Maybe they're protecting Gilmore for a trade. Either way, though, if Gilmore misses, that's big news for Stephon Diggs. But really, is it? I mean, because of this weather, I'm just nervous that that long ball is going to be even more dangerous for Josh Allen. And so, just a warning here for everybody. It's a Cole Beasley week? Yes, I am. I am definitely all on Cole Beasley. I am pumped for it. I can get behind that, too. We do love Cole Beasley on the Important Nonsense podcast. But speaking of former Vikings, Lions traded a conditional sixth-round pick to the Cowboys for edge rusher Everson Griffin. Griffin spent years terrorizing Matthew Stafford in Minnesota. Lions look like they're hoping to make a playoff run. Imagine they make it, save Patricia's job. Just, wow, that would be absolutely stunning. Anyway, so the Cowboys are clearly making some changes. In addition to trading Griffin, cut D-tackle Don Terry Poe and cornerback Daryl Worley strictly for performance reasons. 
Our final move on defense was Bengals shipping pass rusher Carlos Dunlap to the Seahawks in exchange for a sixth-round pick and backup O-lineman B.J. Finney. Dunlap was unhappy with his role, played just 59% of the snaps, on pace for his lowest snap total since becoming a starter in 2012. We'll get all these takeaways from all the defensive moves from our IDP MVP, me, Wallace Bruce, on the Sunday recap show. And with that, we get to our quarterbacks. Gardner Minshew had an x-ray that revealed he had multiple fractures and a strained ligament in his right thumb. This has been the case since October 11th against Houston Texans. Jaguars want to buy right now, but after the buy, it's expected that rookie six-round pick out of Oklahoma State, Jake Lutton, will be the starter in Week 9. So who knows what we can expect from him, and who knows what we can expect out of the Cowboys this weekend. Andy Dalton remains out of Cowboys practice was able to attend the meetings on Thursday and Friday with the concussion, but he's not expected to make his return, not expected to play, which leaves seventh-round rookie out of James Madison, Ben DiNucci, as the starter, making his first career start with Dalton ultimately doubtful. The real question we have, when do the Cowboys make a trade for Ryan Fitzmagic? Yeah, I'm actually excited to see DiNucci, but at that same point, I mean, they should really be trying to trade for Jameis Winston here. I mean, that seems like perfect for him. It's right at their alley. Oh, he could just sling it with those weapons. Just either of those guys. Just I want some YOLO balls heading to C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper. Just imagine. The defense is terrible anyway, so just YOLO it up in here. Please, I would love to see that. And finally, with the QBs this weekend, we are expected to see some wild wins in Green Bay versus the Vikings, in Chicago versus the Saints, in Cleveland versus the Raiders, in Buffalo versus the Patriots, and to a lesser extent, it's supposed to be impacted still in Cincinnati versus the Titans. I don't typically worry about weather too much, but you've been forewarned, and maybe we'll see some ground the ground games roll in this one, which brings us to our running backs. We're going to see the return of Dalvin Cook. Cook's going to be active Sunday night against the Packers, and he's officially questionable on the injury report, but his coaches have said he's going to play. They've said nothing in practice indicates that he's not going to get his full workload. Exciting to see him back in full go. Leonard Fournette is also ready to roll and is officially the team's nickelback. Look at this photograph. Every time I do, it makes me laugh. And I know you can't see the picture, but it's Ronald Jones' pass blocking stats on PFF. Bucks have trusted him for just 10 pass blocking snaps this year, and he's given up pressure. Last year, gave up eight pressures, 51 snaps, meaning every 6.4 times the Bucks asked him to pass block, Ronald Jones was beaten. Tom Brady has already targeted his running back 61 times, with Ronald Jones getting 26 of those, 18 receptions for just 86 yards. On 15 targets and 13 receptions, Fournette has 81. Yeah. How about we don't do any uh, Nickelback jokes? That was kind of rough there, buddy. But oh, not a Nickelback <laughs> fan. Oh, no, I love Nickelback. That was just rough. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, my only worry with Fournette is that the team gets up and ends up using Jones to kill time because I think Fournette is actually going to end up being the lead back. You've seen him be productive. He doesn't need a whole lot of touches this game and they won't need to pass it. I mean, Fournette will probably see four to eight targets for 50 yards probably find the end zone there and i wouldn't be surprised if he gets 10 to 12 touches for around 60 yards i mean pretty nice flex piece and i know i'm playing him so hopefully you guys will too Ooh, jason is officially in on Fournette. you love to see that Fournette's former teammate chris thompson was removed from the reserve slash covid19 list after missing week seven versus the chargers still all about james robinson in jacksonville though 
And finally, the Lions signed Jonathan Williams to the active roster off of the Washington practice squad. Now we move into some more questionable things. We've got Chris Carson. He's going to be a game plan decision with the foot sprain. Has him week to week, not officially practicing at all this week. And he's questionable heading into Sunday. Travis Homer, he did miss Wednesday, Thursday with the knee contusion. Upgraded to questionable after practicing on Friday in a limited capacity. Meanwhile, Carlos Hyde missed all three of the practices with the hamstring tightness that Pete Carroll called nothing major, but now he's the one that's doubtful. The other two are questionable. So that leaves DJ Dallas as the only one who's good to go, and we'll see what happens around him. If Carson's playing, it's pretty damn hard to sit him, but it's going to be all about the game time decisions, and I'm sorry, it sucks. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what's going on. Everybody was so ready to fire up Hyde, and then he's doubtful. And then with Carson maybe practicing and playing, who knows? I really think at this point you hopefully just pick up DJ Dallas and really hope that he's the one who gets a ball because it's going to be rough, and they should be fine with him. I mean, no matter who they put in there, it's just going to be a shootout. So expect Russ to be cooking. Let Russ cook. Damian Harris was limited all week with an ankle injury in practice, but says he's fine, says he will play. Devonta Freeman on the other side did not practice at all this week, but he does have to Monday to heal up versus the Bucks. Unlikely he plays. I wouldn't want to play him even if he is healthy, but if you are in some weird world where you are desperate for Devonta Freeman, check out the practice report tomorrow. Wayne Gallman will likely get most of the carries in his stead. Yeah, no, you don't want to play either of these guys. I mean, they play Tampa, and that is definitely not a D you want to go up against, especially if you're running back. They're allowing the fourth least amount of points to running back position at 17.1, and they've seen players like Kamara, who went 12 for 16 yards and a touchdown, 5 for 51 yards and a TD. CMC, 18 for 59, two touchdowns, 4 for 29 passing yards here. And then the Green Bay running backs as a whole, 19 for 80, one touchdown, three for 26 in the passing game, and Jacobs 10 for 17. Like, these, uh, this is not a defense that you want to go up against as a running back, and you do not want to play any of them in fantasy because those are top-tier talents, and they got lucky with touchdowns. So just keep that in mind. In Denver, Philip Lindsay is in the concussion protocol and is officially questionable, and we'll have more information on Sunday. Yeah, but you know that Gordon is going to be in a revenge game narrative here, and hard to think that Lindsey will even be relevant or involved because he wants to come out there and show what he can do and what his team is missing. Yeah, and uh, honestly, I'm not too worried about Gordon anyways. I think Joey Bosa and the boys are going to eat him up in the backfield. And Coleman, though, has been designated to return, could be back this weekend, apparently seen a heavy workload this week in practice. We'll officially have that word later on this weekend, but it does sound like Tevin Coleman is going to play. Jeff Wilson Jr. is out. Raheem Moster is out. Meanwhile, the Athletics' Matt Barrows reported that Jarek McKinnon has been battling tired legs in recent weeks, which falls in line with the rest game against the Patriots in Week 7. So this backfield is one that's a whole hodgepodge again. They got Coleman, they got McKinnon, and they have Jermichael Hasty. Yeah, which means if you can't pick up Coleman, you should because that seems to be what Shanahan does is he tells you he likes a guy and that's who ends up getting all the touches. And I don't know what McKinnon said or what he did, but man, did he hurt Shanahan's feelings. Maybe he flirted with his wife. I'm not sure, but he 
with that in mind, I mean, those three, that backfield is super messy. Had a question from Fantasy Life app. Who to start among Jamichael Hasty and Tevin Coleman if Tevin Coleman plays on Sunday? I kind of already gave my answer. So what do you say, Jack? Well, I say that the reason McKinnon ha- was sitting is because he made a 28-3 to joke. That, 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 that's my prediction. I don't think we'll ever find out, but I have spoken that into existence. And that's the rumor I've created. Anyways, though, Tevin Coleman all the way, especially in his first game back. If he's healthy enough to play, Kyle Shanahan is going to feed him. He loves him. And I think if I'm right about the 28-3 to joke, he's going to feed Tevin Coleman because Tevin Coleman was a part of that team. Any, any disagreement here, Jason? No, I, I mean, this is completely, I, it's going to be Coleman. I don't know why. I love Hasty. I think the talent's super, but it's going to be Coleman on Sunday. Don't like Kyle it. Shan- yeah, Kyle Shanahan, just his Shanna plans. He loves his guys. Cordero Patterson is questionable with a quad injury while he takes over that Tariq Cohen role. A lot of jet sweeps, and it's really frustrating to watch the Chicago offense. Sticking in the NFC North, Aaron Jones is out with a calf strain for the Packers with the matchup with the Vikings, which means Jamal Williams, RB1 again this week, and I absolutely love it. Like, how do you not love Jamal Williams? He's on record saying that when he's in the snow, he feels like Olaf from Frozen. And when he's in the rain, he feels like SpongeBob, but the goofy goober kind. Also said on another occasion, the rain makes him feel like Ariel, the Little Mermaid. And I just love this man. He's just so entertaining. And the guy's going to hang around the league for a long time, have a job for a lot of years, because he's just so awesome when he speaks. Al Sanders still not practicing with the knee injury. Imagine he sits this week, and then he gets the bite to heal up. I've got more than a feeling we can ship Boston Scott into another top 10 RB finish against the Cowboys, because the Eagles have nobody. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not nobody. They have Travis Fulgham still being a beast. Fire him up. Oh, wait. And they also have, I think, a guy I mentioned on the waiver wire YouTube show here, Richard Rogers. Do you not watch at all? Like, I, I, I put this okay, information okay. out for you. I feel insulted here, man. What is going on? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean nobody. And Jalen Rager's also back, too. So they do have some talent there. I, but they're going to feed Scott. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah, I, I I can see that. I mean, Scott okay. is going to be the running back for sure, but they have. Okay, so we're just not here now. for the we're just not here for the Fulgham and Rogers slander. OK, I am. I apologize. I am sorry, Mr. Fulgham and Mr. Rogers. Oh, nice. Welcome Mixon to the neighborhood. No, Mixon didn't practice at all this week with the mid foot sprain. He's out versus the Titans, as is Bengals left tackle Jonah Williams with a neck injury, as is right tackle Bobby Hart with a knee injury, as is center Trey Hopkins with a concussion. Giovanni Bernard paid off in a big way last week off the waiver wire for Mixon filling in. I would temper expectations, though, this week because it could get ugly, as you said earlier. That's why we're playing the Titans. Mark Ingram did not practice Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday with the mid-to-high ankle sprain, which literally is not a thing that exists. It's not. It's a high ankle sprain, or it's a low ankle sprain. There's no... I don't know what this is, but anyways, he's not expected to play against Steelers. J.K. Dobbins gets to be the bell cow in maybe the worst matchup possible, and it's pretty sad. Yeah, and I mean, you do realize that Gus Edwards is still there, right? Yeah, but he's the salted away back. They have different roles, and J.K. Dobbins is going to take over Mark Ingram's early down carries, whereas Gus Edwards is still going to get his, like, 10 fourth quarter carries. Don't worry. I I understand. I know what I'm saying. Okay, if that's what you think i mean that's fine but i still think gus edwards is actually going to be the guy here i love dog oh, i don't think it matters this is ugly against the steelers like yeah. this, this defense is just too I'm, I'm i'm not playing anyone 
There you go. That's the real thing I was waiting for you to say because, yeah, no, you don't want to play a running back here on either side, to be honest. (laughs) Not at all. Moving on to wide receivers, though, John Brown was removed from the injury report with the knee that was been plaguing him all season. And, yeah, I'm not playing him either because, wow, I've seen him on the – I mean, the only way I will play him is if I absolutely see him on the field before the game because I'm not getting fooled again. They keep telling me he's healthy, and he clearly hasn't been. It's just frustrating. Don't get fooled again. That's why we're playing Cole Beasley, too, especially because John Brown's that deep threat, deep ball in the rain. We'll see about that. Speaking of the deep ball, though, Jalen Rager is going to play on Sunday against the Cowboys after the torn UCL in his thumb that caused him to land on IR for a couple weeks. Alshon Jeffrey, though, he remains out with a calf. I think it's a calf at this point. I don't know. Does it matter? Is he ever going to play for the Eagles? I don't think it matters, and I don't know if he even needs to come back because uh, Rager's going to pull the top off, so Fulgham's going to be even more wide open. Sweet! Let's go on that. Also, A.J. Brown missed his usual Thursday practice for his recovery day, and it seems like his knee is pretty fine at this point in games, and I'm not going to begrudge him a day off. Twitter freaked out, though, but the man works hard. He returned Friday, going to tear things up once again. Stop freaking out about these guys missing these practices because we know it's going to happen. Just like we know it's going to happen with Juju Smith-Schuster. This is every Wednesday practice with the knee injury, and it's just a common thing at this point. Deontay Johnson, same thing. Missed Wednesday with a toe injury. We've seen him miss multiple practices with that in the past, and both were full go Thursday and Friday. So don't worry about A.J. Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, or Deontay Johnson. Yeah, and honestly, all of these guys are going to be top receiving options this week, especially in PPR. I don't care what you're saying because, man, they're all going to see double-digit targets, and I don't know if – I mean, I don't know if Juju or Deontay are going to find the end zone. Brown probably will because – they're just going to blow up, and the targets are definitely going to be there for everybody. It's going to be fun. Not against the Ravens, my friend. It is not going to be fun for those two receivers. Let me tell you. Anyways, though, Jameson Crowder returned to practice limited on Thursday. Ended up missing Friday, though, and it's not looking good, according to Coach Adam Gase, for him to play this week. Listed as doubtful officially. Brashad Perriman officially out with a concussion. Didn't practice all week, so let's go Denzel Mims. Speaking of former Adam Case teams, Devontae Parker limited Wednesday and Thursday with a groin. Not ideal for Tua's wide receiver one. He's going to be banged up in his first start, but Parker's probably getting the Jalen Ramsey shadow blanket treatment anyways, which means Preston Williams continuing to emerge as a real wide receiver one in Miami this week. Come on, Jack. You know my thoughts here. It's a rookie quarterback coming in. He's going to go for the short area targets. Should be a great game for Gaskin and Gusecki. Or I could actually see because of it, I'm hoping. We'll see if it actually happens. But Jakeen Grant or Malcolm Perry, oh my gosh, if we can see that as a sighting, I will be so excited. Oh, hey, Lynn Bowden, too. He's officially a slot receiver that now, too, getting those gadget plays. Like, oh, how weird is it that the Dolphins are finally fun? Like, this is kind of like a low-key fun team. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for it because they have a lot of talent on offense and defense, but I'm just hoping they can kind of get it all together and actually be something. Like honestly, and honestly in this weird year where they've expanded the playoffs, I I wouldn't be shocked to see Miami make the playoffs. You heard it here first. Anyway, Sterling Shepard limited Thursday and Friday with toe and shoulder injuries should be fine. Keep an eye on the Saturday practice course with the horrorful Monday night matchup of giants versus Buccaneers. Speaking of, I guess, horror awful? I don't know. A. Brunson from Fantasy Life app asked if 
Evan Ingram is droppable. I mean, I believe so because he has done absolutely nothing this year worth trusting his usage going forward. What do you think, Jack? So from top three tight end to droppable, that's what you're telling me, Jason? That, that, that's how far he's fallen down the ranks? We can now drop Evan Ingram, well, even though you know, he's top three team, tight end before? The team can't do anything, so yeah, you have to drop him. Yeah, well, yeah you have move, to drop him, they but he's never with a tight end game. three. He was never the tight end three overall. That was ridiculous. Mark Andrews all the way. I would have understood if he said Jonu, who we'll get to later, but Evan Ingram, yes, drop him. And you shouldn't have drafted him anyways. But you would have known that if you listened to me this offseason. Well, you can. I thought Slayton was going to be a thing, and he isn't turning in anything. Shepard might have a chance, but he's been out for most of the year. So all these players, they just can't do anything with the Giants. I don't know what's going on with that team, but you can't play any of them. Yeah, it is just, it is stinky down in New York. Alan Lazard, though, practiced every day this week. And as of now, we don't know what his status is if the Packers will activate him or if they'll wait another week, have two more weeks to activate him. So maybe they take their time, especially because the Vikings are missing three of their top four cornerbacks. Last time we saw Lazard, the Lazard King lit up the Saints for six, 146 and one. Patrick did not practice at all this week with a hamstring injury, officially questionable, but I'd be making other arrangements. And maybe this is the week Jerry Judy takes over as the alpha in Denver. Edwards got in a limited practice every day this week with the foot and ankle injuries. Officially questionable. Nelson Aguilar, though, he's kind of, has he really taken over? Like, he's made that X receiver role kind of his own recently. And I don't know. I love Edwards. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know if he's going to get the job back right away. Former Eagles first rounder, 441 or 444 and 1, the first game he started. Then 267 and 1, so he increased again. And then peaked last week, five receptions. 107 yards and a touchdown led the team with nine targets. So we could be looking at Aguilar being a thing if we hold our nose once again. Yeah. And I mean, I actually like Aguilar. I mean, if he's having that resurgence because I don't know, Gruden's figured something out with him, but his snap percentage has been going up the past like three weeks too. And so more snaps, more touches, it could be a thing. Who knows? It's going to be interesting. It's just so 2020, isn't it? It's just so 2020. Yeah, it's a weird flashback to the 1920s. I don't, I don't know. There's a plague and oh, football's geez. being played weird. I don't, I don't know what's going on. It's very odd. Gruden's still coaching. <laughs> All right. Colts rookie Michael Pittman has been designated to return from IR after suffering compartment syndrome in his calf. He was kicked there and suffered an injury, had surgery. Not sure if he's going to come back. Same thing as the Lazarus King. Just kind of waiting to hear if he's going to be activated or not. Yeah, and I'm really hoping this ends Zach Pascal because I am tired of it. Like, ugh, ugly thing. But however, I'm also very interested in Marcus Johnson here. I mean, oh, yes, let's go. He's been another person who's been turning upward from starting at 47% to 64% of snaps weeks four through six. Like this has quietly been a thing. So he seems to be taking over for Hilton, who doesn't seem to have it. And he has a connection with Rivers, so maybe it could be like a Mike Williams or Tyrell Williams kind of a situation for Marcus Johnson. Could be something interesting. I've been hyping up the fact that Philip Rivers has never thrown to a thousand yards to a receiver who's under six foot two. Marcus Johnson, I believe six foot four, but he might be taller than that though. He is massive, so he could very well fill that prototype, like you said, guy Philip Rivers has, has loved for years. Pretty excited about that. Michael Thomas did not practice with the hamstring he suffered after the high ankle sprain, but did get a limited session in on Thursday. 
but he's going to be out this weekend. Emmanuel Sanders remains out on the reserve slash COVID-19 list. And Marcus Callaway got in a limited session with an ankle injury, but will not play this weekend either. So it's Traquan Smith, it's Deontay Harris, and it's Taysom Hill at receiver. Ugly in New Orleans against the Bears. Dell Beckham Jr. is out for the season with a torn ACL. When asked about how his role would change, Rashard Higgins said he's in the starting lineup now, so whatever that means, we don't really like wide receiver twos on run-first offenses. And we don't like that Chris Godwin is going to miss at least week eight with a broken index finger that he had surgery on. Might miss more as well. Scotty Miller is limited with hip and groin injuries as well. Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians said Antonio Brown will be ready to go for week nine against the Saints. Brown is currently serving the last game of his eight-week suspension for assaulting a mover. And again, this will not impact our teams right now, so we'll move on. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I'm i very interested, one, to see Deontay Harris. I am pumped for this. I'm hoping he becomes a thing for the Saints. But I don't know if Brown's going to be allowed to go in week nine. There are still some pending allegations against him, and it's something to keep an eye on. So if you have him, you might just... Be patient and hope that he can play, but I'm really doubting it. I think at this point, we know we cannot trust Antonio Brown, so do not make him a focal point of your roster. Allen Robinson is in the league's concussion protocol and is officially questionable after having, not having practiced all week, but is just not expected to play, even though their listing is questionable. So just make other arrangements at this point. Yeah, I'm checking out straight cash Mooney here. Let's go. If only big Richard Nick Foles could get the ball remotely in Mooney's vicinity. Like, it's, it's truly ridiculous. Mooney had zero drops on the season. He's caught 58.3% of his targets because Foles just can't hit him. And that's the one thing that drives me nuts is he's the one player who's been worse when Foles came in. Mooney caught 100% of his targets from Trubisky. Yeah, and I mean, at that same point, with that in mind, maybe it's Jimmy Grandpa. No, Debo Samuel is out with a hamstring injury that is expected to keep him out next week as well. Brandon Ayuk becomes a screaming value on FanDuel because of it against the Seahawks. Julian Edelman, though, he's out with a knee procedure and will miss some period of time, according to Adam Schefter. Edelman reportedly had a bone-on-bone condition, so kind of sounds like it's a meniscus area. Placed on IR for at least three weeks. Edelman was also droppable to begin with. This just seals the deal. And Nikhil Harry is also out with a concussion that he suffered against the 49ers, who I don't think anyone had rostered at this point. Yeah, and making the percentage snap leader interesting in Demir Bird here. I mean, he could really have a good week. He's been somebody that Cam has kind of built a rapport with. And Jacoby Meyer slides in, and it's going to be interesting. Both getting their shots in a horrible matchup. But Bird has been someone who has quietly become the wide receiver one for new England. So kind of have to roll them out and hope if you're that desperate. And we'll keep banging that bird drum until it goes away and we're proven wrong, but someone just has to break out new England. This receiver core is terrible. It's going to be Demir bird, Jacoby Myers, who's a UDFA and Gunnar Olszewski who's also a UDFA. So just yuck. Jimmy Watkins not practicing with a hamstring injury, not going to play against the Jets. And finally, we have John Ross, who's set to be a healthy scratch once again, but damn sure not playing now. So he went on a little Twitter rampage, said that it's not football that he doesn't love after there's reports that the front office doesn't think he loves the game. It's And he left it at that. John Ross is probably getting moved. Carlos Dunlap got moved for vocalizing his displeasure last week. John Ross is probably next. So maybe you make a move for him because he could be a low... Low-key deep threat if he lands somewhere decent, but we'll see about that. Moving on to tight ends, Austin Hooper isn't practicing after undergoing an appendectomy. Not going to play this weekend. 
Yeah, we weren't really here, but I guess I mean, that we're likely going to see Chris and Brian week. Yeah, I'm pretty down for that, if I'm going to be honest. Big Bob Tunyon was upgraded to full on Thursday, and he looks like he's full go after the low ankle sprain. Excited to see that. Eric Ebron missed Wednesday's practice with an elbow injury, but that's kind of what the Steelers do. Just any nick you miss Wednesday, full go Thursday, Friday. But I really hope you don't have to play Eric Ebron because yuck. Wiley Cox returned to practice Thursday after dealing with the knee injury before the bye. Officially questionable, expected to play, but he's really fallen down the pecking order. We really just need to touch out from him if he's going to matter. Jordan Reed, same thing. He's been designated to return from the IR with a knee injury. Can resume practicing, but he's not going to have any value unless something happens to Kittle. And Dallas Goddard, he has no value right now either. Designated to return, 21-day window to practice and return to play. But until he does, Richard Rodgers are firing up all the way. Yeah, and with the bye coming up, he might be somebody that you grab ahead of time if you have. And on the space on the end of your bench, grab him and just kind of stash him there. Don't let anybody really notice because a lot of people are going to be jumping on him and you, you need to be on that train. Moving on to kickers, Mason Crosby missed Wednesday and Thursday with calf and back injuries. So Crosby's in danger of missing a game for the first time in his career, has started 234 straight. So if you're a Mason Crosby GM, Jason, who are you pivoting to? Yeah, I mean, it's Michael Badgley, man. That money badger is somebody you want to play. The Denver defense is very difficult to play against. And while Herbert has been great, I can see Anthony Lynn stalling the offense and Badgley has to save the day. I mean, I was all in on Tyler Bass, but with the wind and potentially some rain, I'm nervous for him. And the Pats versus the Bills is going to be an ugly game. I don't want that. So Badgley. Homer. But you are right again. So at least when you're a homer, you bring the facts to back it up. And I hope you picked up Rodrigo Blankenship off waivers instead. I love that cold stone. But anyways, yeah, Badgley is a good play. Who else you got? Well, I also had Young Waiku because, man, he looked pretty good last night. But Chris Boswell is the other guy in a game that is also ugly. And it's always a battle in the AFC North whenever the Steelers and Ravens play. And it's always a battle when I have to relinquish control and let you take over the show. Before we get to that, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yup, I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. 
Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve you can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Night Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. And we are back. And as I mentioned before the break, it is really, really difficult for me to give Jason control of the show. However, I am but a humble servant, and it is my sworn duty to do so. And with that, we come to Trust or Bust with the nerd. But before I stop talking, and it's officially time for Jason to take over, we're starting with quarterbacks. Just a reminder, QBs for our trust, players outside the top 12 that are rostered in under 50% of leagues that we think are going to have some success this week, and our buster players ranked inside the top 12 on Fantasy Pro's expert consensus rankings that we believe will miss expectations. Yeah, so let's start with trust. We have Kirk Cousins. In a tough matchup, Cousins continues to strive. I mean, the last time Minnesota played Green Bay, they got blown out. I expect more of the same this time around, and I think Cousins has to throw. And since he scored over 20 points in their first meeting, I believe he does it again. Green Bay gives up 21.8 fantasy points to the quarterback. It helps that Cook will be back and that Green Bay gives up the most points to running backs at 35.6 fantasy points on average. And since he is a pass-catching back, this number will continue to go up. The defense has gotten worse because, wow, they keep shipping people off. And they're just kind of giving up. So with the short area targets in a windy game, I think that Cousins has some success. See, I don't really trust Kirk just because even when he's been throwing a lot of touchdowns and topping 300 yards, he's been turning the ball over a ton. So he does have a great matchup. And with Adam Thielen getting blanketed, the next big thing at corner, Jair Alexander, sorry about that, Jair, Double J, Justin Jefferson, is going to feast on the souls of Kevin King and Josh Jackson all day. 100-plus yards, two TDs for Mr. Jefferson in a blowout. Yeah. So, and that fits perfectly. So, another guy you're looking at is Derek Carr. Again, he should put up over 20 points. The Browns give up the six most points to quarterbacks at 27.2 fantasy points per game. This likely continues as Carr spreads it around. I could see this actually being a secret quiet game for Renfro here as the area that they really struggle is against slot wide receivers. So Carr has also been throwing bombs between Aguilar and Ruggs. It could be very interesting and this could be a shootout. I'm again, nervous about the win, but both players, I mean, he is easily able to go deep between those two guys and it's going to be a fun one to watch. If you believe in weather being a major factor, maybe you do want to fade this one. But I don't believe John Gruden believes in listening to other people. He's going to zig when people zag. He's not going to listen to to what no dang weather tells him to do. 
So I wouldn't be surprised if they come out swinging, throwing the ball. And the other thing is the Browns run defense, really nothing to sneeze at. Their D line's actually pretty talented. Their pass defense is an absolute funnel. Yeah. And moving into bus, I mean, it's Josh Allen. He has been playing so poorly. He gets the Patriots who give up the fourth least points to, to quarterback at 17.1 fantasy points per game. Allen has also been struggling. And at the same point, the weather is supposed to have 20 mile per hour sustained winds. And it's probably going to be a little damp. I just don't like this game. And it really, really has me worried. Now, oh, come on, Jason, you can't prop up car despite the wind and then say we're worried about Allen because of it. That's not fair. But I am actually quite worried about Allen. It's because of Bill Belichick. He is still a defensive mastermind, even if the team is not itself. I think they have a plan for Josh Allen in this one. Yeah, and you're not going to like me for this one, Jack, but it's Lamar Jackson. I mean, it's a theme. I'm worried about this being a defensive and ugly game. The Ravens have been so dominant defensively that offense really hasn't had to do much. Jackson has been consistent and had up and down games because he either goes over 25 fantasy points or he's under 18 fantasy points. He did well against the second best defense in fantasy in the Washington football team. He put up 25 points. However, I think the Steelers are actually better and can actually move the ball. So while I think that is a defensive game i'm just worried that jackson doesn't have to do a lot yeah it's definitely going to be a battle here and the steelers have shown that they can be passed on but the question is do the ravens have the firepower outside of hollywood and andrews to get those chunk plays i don't think des is going to play quite yet devin duvernay maybe but i don't know because this could be a classic raven steelers 13 to 10 game where the only touchdown is scored by ravens fullback patrick card Remember, we have never, and I mean never, seen Ben Roethlisberger and Lamar Jackson play. That's ridiculous. you think they would have at some point by now. just hasn't lined up. So I really don't know what to expect in this one, and I think it's going to be a, kind of a nightmare for fantasy. We're going to move on to running back, though. Just a reminder that I trust our players outside the top 24, so an RB3 or lower, that we're starting in Week 8, and our busts are players inside the top 24 that we think are going to miss expectations. Yeah. My first is to whoever it was Lamar. I mean, love how Leasing Bell, P. Ryan had RB for this. He outsnapped Gore 40 to and ran 20 routes to Gore's five this week. The team that gives up the 10th points to running backs, the Chiefs, who allow 28 points per game to the position. I think with Mims and Barrios being the weapon. I think P.R.I. will get the short area targets and be able to exploit the Chiefs here. Two weeks ago, he had 58% snap share, putting him at 16th among running backs. Last week, he jumped to 70% snap share and 10th among running backs. He is trending the right way, and I think you have to play him here. And this is why you have to watch Jason's waiver wire show, because if you did, you would have known this already. So hopefully your league mates are a bunch of silly gooses. They see the 11 to 11 carry split between Gore and Pirine and ignore them. And you can somehow still get them. But yeah, this is why you have to listen to Jason, because then you can get these guys before they're relevant. So Pirine is going to be the real deal for the Jets. Back end RB2 slash flex appeal the rest of the way, because just someone has to get the ball in New York. It's just fact. Yeah, and speaking of somebody who has to get the ball, it's Giovanni Bernard. I mean, the Bengals, he's really their only run option. He has been solid. He's going to get used to the pass game. He's going to probably find the end zone. It's just a fact for this guy, and 
it's hard to not sit him because of the fact that, oh, wait, he's really the only option. I can't, I just can't. He ha- He's such an old player. I hate to have to use him, but you kind of have to at this point. It's just such a volume-based play. Like, you know he's going to get the targets. He's going to get the carries. It's going to be ugly. You have to hope he finds the end zone. But, yeah, let's go for another mustache ride with Giovanni Bernard. Uh, and we're going moving bus here. And I hate to do it, but it's Justin Jackson. I mean, Broncos do surprisingly well, or not surprisingly, I guess, against the running back position. They only allow 16.8 fantasy points per game. And the Chargers have been splitting up the work between a handful of players in the backfield. He is a pass catcher, but is not getting enough touches as Herbert has been spreading it around. I mean, this offense has changed so much with Herbert coming in. They don't really seem to need to lean on the run, and when they do, they use everybody. I don't know who it's going to be. Also, coming back from bye, his snap share has dropped to 37%, and I'm not a huge fan of that. I don't know if it was due to health or something else, but I it's not somebody I can trust this week. Oh, and it's exactly why you're starting Badgley, and you think it's going to be a lower-scoring game. And I don't disagree, but even if they are scoring, it's not Justin Jackson who's getting the touches around the goal line. It's all Joshua Kelly. And I think we've already seen the peak with Justin Jackson in terms of yardage, top 90 against the Saints. And I just don't think the scoring upside is there. And Austin Eckler coming back around the corner in a couple of weeks, I don't think there's much meat left on the Justin Jackson bone. Yeah, and the next player... With Josh Allen, I mean, Devin Singletary, because, oh, wait, is Zach Moss playing? Yeah, these two kill each other's value, and beyond the best runner on the team is still Josh Allen. In a game that is ugly, both teams struggle. Allen is likely to be the leading rusher again. Two weeks ago, Devin Singletary had a 76% snap count. Last week, with Moss back, it dropped to 54%, causing him to go from 4th to 19th. Wow. Amongst running backs, that's just... Uh, quite a jump with Moss on the field. He averages 56% of snaps, which is just not something you want in your running back for fantasy. Once again, Josh Allen is the goal line back, which caps the upside of both of these players, as does the fact that Josh Allen is targeted running backs on just 15% of his aim targets. And that's because he's number eight among quarterbacks in scrambles. He's averaging two scrambles a game for 16 yards. That's directly taking away from those checkdown opportunities for Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Moving on to wide receiver, though, just a reminder, our trust our players outside the top 36. So this is wide receiver four or lower that we are starting this week and our buster players inside the top 36 that we think are going to miss expectations. Yeah, and moving into trust, I'm surprised this person's ranks so low, but it's Deontay Johnson. I mean, he's seeing double-digit targets in every game. He has been healthy. He is not being respected as a wide receiver one, as people are well aware that Juju is there, and Chase Claypool has had big games. I think he continues his streak of having over 10 targets and 60 yards, and if he finds the end zone, even better. When healthy, he averages over 80% of snaps. How can you not like this guy? Yeah, so tough to argue with you here. So like in his three healthy games, week one, week two, and week seven, hit double-digit targets in every one. Like That's amazing production, or amazing volume anyways. I think we've probably seen the best game from him for the year. Nine receptions, 80 yards, and two touchdowns against the Titans. But that's only because the defense is so good, and I don't think they need to throw the ball a whole lot. But when they do throw, it's all to Deontay Johnson. He's the only guy I trust right now to see consistent volume. Juju, he did see it last week, did tie for the team leading targets. But I need to see Juju do it more because he's been terrible this season. He's been so touchdown dependent. And he did break the A-B curse hit 85 yards receiving last week, the first time he's topped 84 yards since Antonio Brown left. 
But still, Claypool's very much a boom-bust specialist. He's there as well. And I just don't trust anyone outside of Deontay. Yeah, and the next guy is, because, wow, pretty much the only target there is Denzel Mims. With Crowder out, I'm throwing him into the lineup again. In a tough week last week, Mims saw seven targets with four receptions and 42 yards against the Bills. This week, he has a better matchup and likely gets more targets. I mean, the upside is there, and after getting acclimated in his first game back from injury, he is going to show up against the Chiefs. He was the second in snap percentage on the team, only behind Perriman last week. Pretty impressive considering he has been injured all year and jumped to a 75% snap share. Pretty awesome. How Denzel Mims fell to the late second, I really don't get it. But it happened to DK Metcalf too, so say la vie. And it's just extremely talented, dominated at Baylor, dominated at the senior pool, dominated at the combine, dominates training camp, and then suffers a double hamstring strain. Four for four to two isn't great, but it's promising. And the Jets, all we need is promising. It's like Piran. Someone needs to get the ball. And in this case, it's Mims. He's really freaking good. Ran a 4-3-8 at 6'3", 207 pounds. That's a 96th percentile speed score on player profiler. 186 receptions, 2,920 yards, and 28 touchdowns at Baylor. Denzel Mims is going to become what we all thought Michael Gallup was going to be this year. Man, and that is just so sad. Speaking of things that are sad, my bust for this week is Darius Slayton. That Tampa Bay defense is good. I don't think he will be targeted enough. And with him likely getting the main coverage, Shepard likely gets more of the work and more targets. I mean, Shepard seems to be the only usable piece in this offense. And I can't trust what this team's going to do or who they're going to throw to because the options aren't there, even though they all are. It's just something that's terrifying to me, especially against this Bucks D. Oh, and like the offensive line mispractice and the defensive line is just too much. But even despite that or outside of that, the corners are just freaking balling. So they've got Carlton Davis on one side, letting just half of his 42 targets to be caught, 10.4 yards a catch, eight pass breakups, three picks. He did allow two touchdowns, but hasn't allowed one in four weeks. So that's great on one side. On the other side, Jamel Dean, 33 targets, giving up just 9.4 yards a catch, 19 receptions, one touchdown one interception, and five PBUs. So they're just getting their hands on the ball. And yeah, not trusting anyone on this Giants team at all. It is ugly. It does bring us to tight ends, though, where our trusts are players outside the top 12 that are rostered in under 50% of leagues that we like this week. And our busts are players ranked inside the top 12 on Fantasy Pro's ex- expert consensus rankings that we believe will miss expectations. Yeah, and we kind of already touched on this guy. It's Harrison Bryant. The win has him worried. I was high on Higgins, but think that he could potentially find the end zone, but really think Bryant is a position guy. I mean, with the wind, I think he will be used a lot with Landry likely also getting decent coverage. And don't get me wrong. I do think Landry will eventually become the wide receiver rest of the season because Odell's out. I struggle to trust any other options outside of Bryant and Hunt this week with Hooper still out and Njoku clearly being hated by the staff. Bryant sees the targets. Yeah, so the weather concerns, whatever, I don't care about them. We've talked about this. Even if it's a crappy forecast, though, that's perfect weather for smash mouth, tight end football, baby. So we've got Hunter, or not Hunter Bryant, sorry, he's the other tight end. The Lions (laughs) draft took undrafted free agent. He's on IR. Harrison Bryant, though, was drafted to take over for Njoku, be the 1B to Hooper's 1A. He really has a chance to just become the straight one at this point, though. Yep, and I'm bringing back my boy because, you know, Philip Rivers loves his tight end. 
loves having a top 10 tight end is Trey Burton. He continues to get targets, and this game could switch. And, I mean, just because I think Phillip River has to throw, Burton's going to see double-digit targets, and that's something that you want in your tight end that you're going to be playing this week. I hate it, but it's just it's true. Rivers can't throw it anymore, but he can lob it, and tight ends and running backs are the perfect players to lob it too. And Burton's the tight end there. I wish it was Mo Ali Cox, but it's just not. Yeah, and we can't make that happen, unfortunately. So moving into bus, it's TJ Hawkinson. Colts have been surprisingly good against tight ends, giving up six point six fantasy points. Granted, they haven't played anyone as dominant as TJ Hawkinson seems to be. I still think he struggles in this game, and it's really a Kenny Gallagher day game because they are he's really the only pass catching option. I guess and maybe switch, but we'll see how that ends up breaking down between him and Gore. Well, Galladay is used to roasting Xavier Rhodes on the outside. The Colts' new corner used to be with the Vikings. But a lot of what the Colts did against tight ends came without Darius Leonard, who's the best linebacker in the NFL. So he's back this week, which means Hawkinson's going to be completely erased. I'm out. Yeah, and speaking of players that you're out on, it's Jared Cook. I mean, this should be a great matchup for him. But, man, I, I just don't think it's there. He, there's too much other talent, and I think, I mean, especially Kamara really hurts him. I love Deontay Harris, as I said before, and I just think that Cook really struggles. Doubt he finds the end zone, because that will be the only thing that saves him. And it's against the Bears, who are a good defense. Yeah, bad matchup, bad team. Like I, I know they have no other pass catchers right now, but it's still terrible matchup against a bad Bears team. It's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be a grinded out game. I am not interested in this one, especially because of the weather too. And yeah, it is going to be ugly. Kamara's going to hurt him. Eddie Jackson's going to blanket him. And no, out on Jared Cook. Yeah, and I mean, I have to bring him up because I like to kind of throw in those secret players. And it's still Jalen Guyland. I don't understand why people are not liking him more because he's pulling the top off. And another guy who is super talented and with OBG being out, Donovan Peoples-Jones coming in, has a talent, is super raw, but man, if he gets a chance to have double-digit targets, he's going to be something impressive. And that's going to do it from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast. As always, it's been an honor to get to preview this weekend's action, and a large part of that is thanks to my knowledgeable, albeit quirky co-host, at that FF nerd, Jason Draven. Jason, do you have any parting words for all the people tuning in and hanging on your every word? Nah, man, just uh, have a happy Halloween, have a good weekend, and I hope that these games are better than we all think that they're going to be. And be sure to follow Jason on Twitter, at ThatFFNerd, and be sure to check out Jason's Waiver Wire show on YouTube every week. You can find his work, my work, and the work of all the other important nonsensers over at ImportantNonsense.com, and on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at NonsenseFF. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review if you've enjoyed yourself here today. And if you haven't, be sure to tune into the Sunday Night Recap, starring myself at Dynasty PhD, Dr. John Chansey, and at the real NWB, Nee Wallace Bruce. And if you haven't enjoyed yourself, I encourage you to check out that show. Maybe we can change your mind. But also make sure you send all the negative feedback to at that FF nerd, Jason Draven. So I've been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh. Let's have a great weekend of glorious football action. Stay safe, wear a mask, get out and vote, and most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!